these new companies are coming in and they're taking on their competitors you know, very fast. They are taking up market share very quickly. It's because they're delivering to the customers what they, what they want and a lot quicker. So how is that happening? Well, a lot of it is the technology people do have you know, great contributions when they're working directly with the domain experts and starting to learn the business. So what we're finding is, is instead of having one single IT department where everything gets thrown at them, we have more, more people spread out to each department that work closely with the customers, the stakeholders to learn more about the business, to get more ingrained into it, start throwing out new ideas because it's different perspectives they have. The big question is, how can you fix and transform your organization's most important foundation, your software, into an asset which allows you to become better every single day? Each department is at its best when it can smoothly, efficiently, and productively operate. And to do that, you need to pay attention to the lifeblood of your organization, your software. The custom software creation geniuses at Architect Now are presenting this podcast as a way to help leaders think more strategically about their software and to roadmap what needs to happen in order to be at the top of their game. No, this podcast is not going to scramble your brain by talking about DevOps or API calls. Our goal on this show is to make you better by giving you the high-level insights that you need so you can better make decisions that will not only be cost-effective, but will help your team on an intangible level as well as a technical one. Welcome to Newsflash, you're a software company. Welcome to another episode of Newsflash, you're a software company. I am one of your hosts, Corey Dirk, and along with me are Don Jacobs-Meyer, Kevin Grossnick-Klaus, and Alex Will from Architect Now. And today we're going to be talking about the new IT department. What do you need to do? What do you need to change? What do you need to have and integrate into your current IT department in order to move more agilely, in order to be more efficient, in order to be more productive, in order to take advantage of all of the newfangled tools, if I can say newfangled like uh, my grandfather would say, uh, all these newfangled tools that can really change the way that IT departments work every single month and every single year going forward. Uh, to start off, Alex, talk to me a little bit about the traditional model of what it meant to have an IT department, right? A, a siloed group of people that support the systems of an entire company and why that infrastructure, why that model is starting to kind of break down as we introduce all of these new tools into the marketplace. Yeah, and they were exactly that. They were siloed. It was a whole bunch of people in technology that were all together in the same department. They all had general scale skills. They're all working together. They were separate from the business. Most of the time they were seen as an expense center. They were not seen as a place to invest in or profit. It was more of, we just have to have this necessary evil to keep us running. And what we're starting to find out now is this wasn't the best way to work. These new companies are coming in and they're taking on their competitors you know, very fast. They are taking up market share very quickly. It's because they're delivering to the customers what they, what they want and a lot quicker. So how is that happening? Well, a lot of it is um, the technology people do have, you know, great contributions when they're working directly with the domain experts and starting to learn the business. So what we're finding is, is instead of having one single IT department where everything gets thrown at them, we have more, more people spread out to each department that work closely with the customers, the stakeholders, to learn more about the business, to get more ingrained into it, start throwing out new ideas because it's different per perspectives they have. And what they're finding out is 
they can move things a lot quicker instead of um, depending on people that don't have the same context they did of your business because they haven't worked on your product or your department in three months. They are literally there for your department now. Well, and that that also leads to this idea that, you know, back in the day, whenever the day was, uh, people looked at the technology as completely separate from delivering a product or a service to the end user. They, they saw, as you, as you mentioned, as a necessary evil instead of a integral part of the day-to-day operation of the company, right? So it's sort of that idea of the fact that the technology that you use powers every single piece of your business to the point that we actually named the podcast Newsflash, you're a software company to remind every single person listening to this that if you think you are a company that produces widgets or delivers a service or manages money or delivers higher education, at the end of the day, your ability to compete in the marketplace, your ability to serve your end users is only as good as your technology. So um, when you know, you're, you're, you're describing this idea of kind of having the IT department, the new version of the IT department is it's spread out more. You have people that are paying more attention to specific departments in an organization. So in other words, we're not describing having a separate IT department for marketing and a separate IT department for finance necessarily, because that could get a little unwieldy, but you, what you are describing, it sounds like is the idea that um, every single department should sort of have their own point person or Navy SEAL team of IT specialists that can then kind of report to the IT department's hub and say, this is what marketing needs, this is what finance needs, and kind of give each department a more customized approach because, you know, you're just that IT department that is uh, the IT guy that is focused strictly on the marketing department really has an intimate understanding of what those teammates go through on a daily basis and what they need to solve their problems. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Everyone's going to become a technologist. There's, there's no stopping that. And if this past two years has not shown it or sped it up dramatically, you're, you're going to find out it's going to hit you harder than, you know, right, right in the face. Right. So it's going to come quick and you don't have to be the same technologist and as specialized or as you know smart as the current IT departments. There's going to be a baseline of understanding that every department, every person is going to need for IT, uh, especially with the emergence of like low code, no code. The ability for people that have no programming experience to be able to build internal line of business apps fairly quickly, just to you know automate form processes, moving data, things like that, just to make their jobs easier is going to come quickly and it's, it's here now, but it's going to become more and more rapidly uh, important here soon. And describe to me a little more in detail about low code, no code solutions and, and why a company might want to integrate those with their digital infrastructure. The culture of who's requesting this functionality is people who have grown up with technology. They're not so afraid of learning technology. They know enough to know what they don't know, but they also know enough to know, okay, well, I've used, you know, three different generations of cell phones. I've used six different generations of computers. I've used 10 different generations of software. So I've, I've been around the block enough to at least understand if someone taught me, right? So now there's this whole category of software tooling that's referred to as low code or no code. So what does that mean? It means that there's customizable 
software tools that you can go in and tell it how you want it to function without having to code it. It's drag and drop. It's, uh, you know, configuration by buttons or forms or different things. And so you just as a layman person, tell it how you want it to perform. And then you, you know, sort of publish it or save it in one degree. And then you use it and that's it. All of the other complexity is hidden behind the scenes. So what that unlocks for people who, you know, aren't scared to like learn about technology is you can go to YouTube, deep dive for a weekend and be pretty dangerous and pretty advanced in your department to start creating some tools that frankly could even replace certain people's whole jobs. And that's the scale and the power of what some of these these solutions are. For people who have still been manually entering data, just like that company did 10 years ago, all of that can be automated. Now, what do you do with that new person whose role has just been automated? This is obviously another sort of cultural, societal conversation that we have, but typically organizations that we talk to are not afraid to have that discussion because if they just freed up a whole human being, there's tons of other things that they could teach them quickly and have them be effective and create value for the organization. So it's never a, we're going to automate people's jobs away. It's we're going to automate the manual repetitive stuff that doesn't actually provide value for a human to do and let them move on to something else. And I think that's really what's important when you talk about achieving scale. Right. If you're going to scale your company and you're going to grow, you need to be able to outsource and delegate a lot of those repetitive tasks. And it doesn't necessarily need to be to somebody lower on the totem pole. It can be a low code, no code uh, scenario where you set up some simple rules and some simple triggers that happen. And boom, you've saved yourself 20 hours of work every single quarter. And those 20 hours could equal X amount more sales calls or X amount more client checkups or, you know, whatever the case may be, there's a lot of power in that level of productive, uh, you know, productivity and efficiency. Now, Alex, talk to me a little bit about the idea of, you know, okay, in, in the traditional siloed IT department, um, what happens when a company comes to those IT guys and gals for solutions, meaning you have your, your IT department that's worked in a company for 10 years and they are working with the tools that are in front of them. And, you know, sort of, they may not be really on the leading edge of what's happening in the marketplace and what solutions could be available to achieve the goals of the organization. So if the CEO comes to their IT department and says, Hey, we want to try to figure out how to do X, Y, and Z the IT department has only been looking at the box with the servers and, and the and the um, the hardware for the last decade. So talk to me about how the sort of lack of vision in, in some of those scenarios really holds organizations back. And, and, you know, in a lot of cases, these are real life stories that you at Architect Now deal with on a daily, weekly basis. Yeah, so if you're only working with the toolbox that you've been working for the past 10 years and never expanded, right? Never added new tools, you never went and uh, you know, figured out how to do other kinds of solutions, everything's gonna look like a nail, now you have the hammer, right? So 
what happens is you start building over the same thing over and over again. And if you're already having issues, you're already having complaints, you're going to have, you're going to build those same issues, complaints into the software, right? One of the best things that have happened in the software industry is we have started to figure out different solutions, especially going in the cloud to solve problems, right? We have solved basically all the basic problems we possibly could with existing tools um, that allow us to focus on more complex problems. But if we aren't using those tools, we're still solving the same things we did five years ago with the same tools that take just as long. So what we are able to do is we're able to expand our vision and have different perspectives to bring in to you know, solve the more complex problems in half the time, you know, a quarter of the time, because we are using tools like no-code, uh, low-code solutions like Power Apps, Power Automate, things like that. We're no longer building out infrastructure for your web servers. We're using you know, platforms of service type things. We are you know, out here um, taking advantage of what we have. Um, but what that really allows us to do is it allows us to think more freely and think more about what are we actually trying to achieve? We're not trying to solve technology problems. We're trying to solve business problems. We're making our technology fit, um, fit our business problems. Before you were so worried about, oh, do I have enough servers? Do I have enough disk space? No one cares about that anymore in today's world. Just click, move a little slider, you got more. Now we're more focused on the business again. And that's kind of what we really want to make sure that we're you know, achieving here with the outcome in mind. And, and we keep using the term no code, low code. That, I mean, that's a, uh, it, it makes it seem like it's software developers. It's a geeky term, right? But it's not really the case. It's just a power user that has the tools in front of them that can solve their own problems without going too deep down the technology spectrum. Right. Back in the day, there were people that knew Excel and they could add their own. They could take an Excel spreadsheet and they were power users and they could add, you know, their own formulas and, and solve their own problems. And now you could take that up a level. There are tools today that if you are a power, if you were the Excel person that knew that tool, you can solve way more problems. Uh, and, and we're using Microsoft and the power platform as an example, but it's a great example that they're putting the ability to solve problems back in the hands of a power user and not necessarily in the hands of someone who's traditionally trained to write software or you know custom build web pages or any of that. There's still a need for that, but that need might be farther down the road than you think. If you actually have, to, to Don and Alex's point, you have someone that knew, that grew up with technology and knows what they're doing and wants to spend a little bit on YouTube, they're gonna go farther than you might need before you you move on to the IT department. So do they still need a relationship with the IT department? Yes. Do they still need to coordinate and plan and make sure it all fits together? Yes. But that's that's kind of the, the purpose of this discussion is there's different people that can solve problems throughout your organization. It shouldn't just be IT or shouldn't just be a bottleneck. Can you can you give me a, anyone here? Can you can you give me a couple of examples of low code, no code, and and just a quick a couple quick ideas of like like if you're like let's say I'm the VP of sales listening to this podcast episode, uh, or I'm the VP of marketing, or I'm the VP of whatever department, and I have um, you know a couple of issues that I feel like I would love to get IT on, but every time we go to IT, they say, yeah, we're working on it. Yeah, we're working on it, but it doesn't get implemented. What are some examples of problems that uh, have solutions with sort of this low code, no code idea where 
I might be able to take one of my people that's a real go-getter and wants to be a little bit enterprising and say, hey, so-and-so, could you spend a weekend learning how to do X so we can implement this without having to drag IT through our entire um, you know, workflow? Can you give me some examples of those low-code uh, options? Uh, Kevin built one over the course of like a week uh, during COVID for a, a local um, healthcare system partner that we have. And honestly, it's an amazing, you know, use case. They asked us, Hey, can you find a way to help us collect this data? We need, you know, uh, appointments from people to have vaccinations. We need to track that they came and which one they got, um, you know, not crazy complicated. Um, but he was able to turn it around in, you know, give or take a week or so. Um, and because it was so quick and effective, you know, half of the conversations we normally would have to have if we built a custom just went out the window. And it didn't, I mean, we, we made it more um, probably complex than it needed to just because we have that capability. So we were able to add some other um, benefits to it, but it would still have been totally uh, fulfilled by a fully, you know, no code or low code solution if it needed to. So we had a data structure. We had a UI that was available in Microsoft Teams as well as on uh, iPads as a full mobile app. Uh, and then there was a kind of back of house admin section to manage some of the configurations and pull all the data and do an export to hand it off to whoever needed the export. Um, it's those types of, you know, we're going to gather some data, we're going to enter it in, we're going to move it on to something else type of, you know, workflows that are perfect for this kind of situation. I love it. And, and when you're thinking about moving a company down the road or an organization when when you're sitting there going okay i need to make some big changes i need to move some mountains um there are always use cases for listen we have to patch some stuff up right now we have a couple holes leaking we got a couple cuts we need to put some band-aids on them however we also want to be working towards a long-term vision so kevin talk to me briefly about sort of this idea of implementing the short-term fixes while still keeping your eye on the prize of the long-term sustainability and kind of revamping of a company's digital infrastructure? I think it comes down to communication and collaboration. So everything that, that Don and Alex have said thus far in this, this particular episode is exactly right. We're not belittling IT. We're not belittling business. They, they're both great at what they do. They just traditionally have worked slightly differently together than what the current uh, the best practice that we see, and, and this is not us coming up with this, this is not, you know, the three of us at Architect Now or our company saying that this is, you know, we sit up on this mountain and we tell you this is how you should work. This is what we see as being successful. So we're coming, we're sharing this information because we work with companies that, that do it successfully and we look at them and think this is how it should be done. And we're going to share what we've learned from this company with other people uh, what we're talking about today and there's a lot to be said about 
having those power users that could solve their own problems. There's a lot to be said about them collaborating back with IT and saying, I solved this problem. Can we solve this problem other divisions? I mean, can you share the knowledge that, that the problem I just solved or the way I did it would benefit other areas of our company? How do we get that, you know, that solution spread far and wide? Uh, it's IT not being scared of someone else solving their own problem or being to collaborate not being scared of collaborating in a more agile manner with, and when we say agile, again, it's a, it's a term that fits our industry, but it's also IT just being in the meetings uh, for lack of a better term. It's having IT sitting in the same meetings or sitting at the same discussions that a, whether it's finance or distribution or whatever your business is, this is, it's a broad discussion but having IT being a part of those, they don't get brought in later as a cost center to what Alex started with. They are someone who is you know, front and center and from the, the C-level discussion down to power users to everybody else, we're all on the same page. We're trying to make a company better. We're trying to solve the same problems. We're trying to automate the same workflows. Um, I'm willing to let you solve your own problems. I'm willing to give you tips. I'm willing to you know, decide, you know, give, feedback as to where it could be, where it might be really necessary for a, a low level software developer to dive in and you know build a website or build a, a database or artificial intelligence or something very advanced, that still may be a benefit, but everybody needs to collaborate on when that's necessary versus when a you know two or three day solution might be might work for the next six months while we build that. There's just, it's more collaborative than anything else. It's just being on the same page. Yep, 100%. And I think that your positioning of that is, is, is really crucial because like you said, if you, can, if you can stop thinking of your IT department as just this hub that only gets contacted when there's a problem uh, and instead you start to deploy your different parts of your IT department, literally different staff members in the IT department to your marketing, to your finance, to your sales, to your logistics, and have them just sit in on those meetings and understand what's going on and what the problems that they're facing are. It, you know, it very may well be a scenario where uh, one of the, the members on your IT staff hears something and goes, oh, wait a second. Our, our CRM is not able to solve this problem. Well, I know about this tool and this tool, and I bet if I put them together, again, the idea of the no-code or low-code solution, I bet in 48 hours or 72 hours and a couple YouTube tutorials, I bet I could have something that would kind of be that short-term fix while we eventually solve it in the code or we figure out another integration down the road. Um but you have to rethink the deployment of your IT staff there, right? You really have to look at this as we are in collaboration. We are not just sitting here in the basement with the servers waiting for people to go, hey, I can't get into my email. And that's kind of the paradigm shift that we're talking about, right? That's exactly the paradigm shift. It's just how we work together, how we trust each other. And a big part of that in my background, and I know every background of Don and Alex, we're, we're technologists, we're, we're coders. We, we grew up you know, solving technical problems at a time where there was only one way to solve them, which was to you know, write a lot of code and know a lot about different you know, JavaScript frameworks and backends and databases and SQL and NoSQL and buzzwords. And we were the people that 
uh, businesses didn't quite understand. As we've evolved to where our focus is solving business problems, technology just becomes a means to an end and trying to teach technologists like maybe in many cases ourselves that we, you know, we, we're the people with the hammer. No one else should have a hammer because we're the coders and we're going to do it. Isn't necessarily the best means forward. So there's pushback on both sides. The, the, the business people don't necessarily want to solve their own problems. The technologists don't want to let them. But in the end, there's a happy medium. If we can, I can share with you what is available to you to do it yourself. And, and maybe that's not always the case, but there are scenarios where that you could just do it in five minutes, but also where we don't feel threatened because, you know, we being the, you know, the lower level coders out there in the world or whatever our, our role may be, we don't feel threatened if you do it yourself. There needs to be collaboration either way because we need to understand the problems being solved so that if you're doing it in a way that I have some feedback on, that I could give you some guidance and make it a little bit better or make it secure or there's security implications, there's data implications, there's all kinds of things that go into it. If I could give you some tips and you do it better or you can give me some feedback on what your needs are and I tell you, I could just knock this out in a week and solve, save you the time, you know, both of those things are of value, but we're, we're one business and that's what many companies don't quite understand with the silos that they're in. Well, look, it's also, you know, it's about the idea of being territorial, right? If you have the option as an IT department or as an individual on the IT team to safeguard your knowledge and your code and your servers and your hardware and become uh, the go-to person and say, I am indispensable because nobody else knows this knowledge. That worked for quite a long time, for almost two, three decades, right? Maybe longer. Um in an era where technology was not advancing as rapidly as it is now, where it's now the underlying foundation of every single piece of every single business, right? You're a software company first, comma, you are a coffee shop, comma, you are a waste management company, comma, you are a artificial intelligence company, right? So, so being able to, to kind of be um, protective of that worked for a very long time. It doesn't work anymore. And all you do in that scenario is you make yourself obsolete because there comes a point at which you safeguarding your knowledge to, you know, presumably try to make yourself indispensable actually makes you outdated. And what I think that you're, you're all three of you are describing is this idea that if you can start to retrain the attitude and the, the mindset and the come from of your IT department to not sit there and, and, and safeguard the knowledge, but instead to be proactive and say, I'm going to actively look for solutions and ideas and opportunities that can make every single piece of our company better. That's actually how you become indispensable. And that is actually how you, if you are an individual IT person, that is truly how you have a 40, 50 year career, no matter what company you're working for in the IT department, because you're seen as a creative problem solver, not just I'm the person or I'm part of the team that has the keys to the kingdom and nobody can do anything without me. And sort of this, this idea of open trust and collaboration and um, really, you know, this idea of decentralization, right? We have to decentralization and being proactive as an IT department is a very new idea. 
And, and if you're able to get that into the DNA, it makes a lot of sense. Go ahead, Don. All right. No, you're exactly right. And so, but how do you, how do you train people to do that? It starts with leadership. You have to embody that and believe it wholeheartedly and show your team that you do and actually change how you define what the company goals are and how you incentivize people and how you measure all of that. So, you know, moving forward, the culture of all of this is, is likely what Alex sort of started to get into is that you, you're not really going to have uh, marketing departments or accounting departments or whatever logistics departments anymore. Everything is really what flavor of IT do you specialize in at this stage in your career? Because everyone is now so technically inclined that, again, like with a, a quick training exercise or a deep dive, they can pivot horizontally very, very easily. So now we get in, and this is where some of our most successful clients have really um, made disproportionate strides, is where their leadership really understands what is possible by going down this path. And it's not a long I mean, it's not a short, you know, trip. Like we're not going to just decide overnight that, you know what, we're going to redefine the fabric of the culture of our company and all of our incentives are different and all our goals are different. And this is how we now use money to do all these other things, right? No, 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 no. It starts at a leadership level and how do you create, you know, goals and hiring decisions and momentum and incentives into the future for 100%. doing all these things. At the end of the day, the tools implemented could be low code solutions because there's such lo low barrier to entry. And it's just about getting the team on board and, and, and over time shifting that mindset to a, a mindset of collaboration and trust. And if you're able to do that, you're going to win because you are in a place where you are sharing talent, you're sharing resources, you're sharing ideas, and the best companies, the best organizations are the ones who thrive on that kind of culture over and over again throughout history, the ones who continue to innovate and stay ahead of the curve and look at what's next and say, how can we become better? How can we become better? How can we become better? Those are the organizations that win. And that's a great place to lead this episode. Gentlemen, we appreciate your genius and your insights. And we will see you on the next episode of Newsflash, your software company. Thanks for being here. This podcast is presented to you by Architect Now. Whether launching new cloud or mobile apps or modernizing your legacy platforms, Architect Now can help you identify the best options and work with you to bring those ideas to life. If you like the information in this podcast, we can assure you it is only a fraction of the actionable wisdom and insights you will gain by talking to the team at Architect Now. To learn more and start a conversation, visit us on the web at www.architectnow.net. We'll see you on the next episode of the Newsflash, you're a software company podcast.